Before we uh, turn to God's word, let's pray. Gracious God, we're before you again, and uh, we come in to this time, Lord, just to be incredibly thankful for this incredible book that you've given to us, the Bible, inspired by your spirit, written by human beings. Yeah, Lord, containing your word to us. And uh, we open it just now, and, and we pray that through it that you will speak again. Speak into our minds, speak into our hearts, our God. Uh, lead us through this, that we might know your will and that we might do it. So thank you for the book, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to reflect upon it. Thank you for how you use it in our lives. Uh, thank you that you will now. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're um, dealing with the final installment in our series, Jesus, You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Uh, it's been a series that I hope for you has been challenging. Let me explain that a little bit. Jesus has brought incredibly challenging content to us through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, portions of it which we've studied. Uh, they're challenges which call us, as I have said often, to change and to be really different than everyone who surrounds us. We're called to be like Christ, to think like him, to have the heart that he had, to live the way he lived. And Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, there's been a challenge. Now, it's interesting today that as I come to the conclusion of this series, I'm going to the end of the Sermon on the Mount at the end of chapter 7. And what we find there from Jesus is a almost stunning challenge. It really is significant. So I'm almost warning you a little bit to be prepared. Receive it from him. In love and in grace, he has a heart for you. He cares about you and your life and your well-being and your eternity. But the things that Jesus has said in this sermon and what he says at the end of the sermon are challenging. One of the difficulties that we have as his followers, as human beings, is to really understand how significant these things are that he's calling us to. Well, I pray that you have understood those and as we go you'll see we'll do a little review today you'll see again how challenging these things might be but let's turn to chapter 7 let's turn to the challenge let's be open and and to hear and be ready to respond by faith and obedience to the voice of the lord jesus chapter 7 verse 24 to 27 therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash now what jesus is simply challenging us with initially is what is it that we build our lives on what is it that 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 we have taken into our minds and into our hearts that we form as the foundation of life in terms of who we are and how we live well he's telling us that there is one that is an unreliable foundation uh, one that shifts with time like sand, and one which produces in the end a collapse of the house, 
when the wind comes and the rain blows and the streams rise up. This is a kind of house, it's a kind of life, which is chaotic, it is difficult, and in the end it just uh, uh, produces destruction of the home. But there's another way that Jesus speaks of living, and it's of course what he is calling us to, that we would build our lives on the solid foundation. One which produces a house and a life that is stable and strong and endures in the difficult and hard times, one that is resilient in the face of trouble. And of course he's saying clearly in this text that what that foundation is, and I'll quote him, these words of mine and then putting into practice these words of mine. That's the foundation that he's describing. He's saying, if you'll hear what I have to say, and if you'll act upon what I have to say, you will be like that house on solid rock. And you will, you will be sustained in the difficult challenges of life. Now what he's referring to when he talks about these words of mine, I think is fairly obvious when you realize we've worked our way through portions of the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to these people and he's saying, what I've just told you, these dramatic challenges that I've brought to you, you have heard them, and if you will hear them and receive them and put them into practice, Jesus' words, you will be like that house built on solid rock. That is the foundation. So let me just quickly review where we've been, and there's going to be a list for you. Number one, and this is going back a good number of weeks now, but the idea, Jesus said, of living a life where you're asking God for things and getting them from him. Remember, ask and you will receive. This is the life that we're called to. Dialogue, engagement with God, asking as his child, knowing that God the Father loves us and he's going to provide for us. Um, focusing our lives passionately on God's kingdom. Not on what our needs are. He'll take care of those, but on the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. Having that passion and that intensity and that, that commitment to discovering everything of what that means. Loving through submitting in our relationships. Submitting uh, our interests out of reverence for Jesus, for our husbands, our wives, our, our parents. These are his words. Loving God and not loving wealth, money. You know, the love, having a passion for God, valuing him and not, not wealth anymore. The idea of loving enemies, not hating them. That's dramatic, challenging to pray for them as Jesus prayed for them on the cross, forgiving them. Uh, for what they have done. And then, just last week, secretly living for God and for God alone, whether it be prayer or giving or fasting, whatever it might be, that we don't live for the applause of people anymore. We just reject that out of hand and know that God sees what we do and, and that's enough for us. We're satisfied in that. These are the things Jesus is referencing here when he says that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on a rock. Jesus is, is, is speaking to, to this dynamic because he's saying to these folks, you can have this, if you would, as the base of your life. The, these, these thoughts that I've given to you can become foundational to who you are and how you live. Jesus' thinking, Jesus' values, Jesus' truth, the way of Jesus, I've called it in this series. And what the Lord is saying is, you know, 
You can let these things guide your actions. The, you can let these things guide your decisions and your practices. You can allow these truths that I've given to you to form your lifestyle. You can take these truths, not <laughs> with the family focus we went to Ephesians, but it's all the word of God. And, and you can allow, allow the truths of, of God to impact your relationships. You see it? Jesus is really clear. Hear him, hear his words, and it comes to us through this incredible book, the Bible, inspired and true. Come from, come from God to our reading, to our hearing. We hear his words. And Jesus says, if you hear these words and you practice them, then you end up as that house built your life on a solid rock. And of course, he gives two options at this point. You can be like that, or you, and you can end up being wise as a result and, and find life and find the goodness that God has for us. Or we can do the opposite. We can hear his words and not put them into practice or not even receive the words spoken. And Jesus describes that, that individual who, who has a much more shaky and shifting foundation other than the solidity of his words he describes them as someone who is foolish, not wise. Wisdom is taking truth and applying it to life. Foolishness is a lack of understanding, where there is no understanding of truth which can be applied to life, and it goes in a different direction. So the foundation is what Jesus is describing. It's what he wants for us. He wants our lives to be rooted on his word. He wants our lives to be transformed, literally, through practice to reflect his words so that we are that house with that solid foundation, strong, immovable, resilient, not going to collapse when the tough times come, but steady in him. I want to ask you today, as we wind up this series, um, through this series, have you both heard and put into practice the words of Jesus. That's a challenge. Now, it's possible, very possible, that some people might have heard these words and outright rejected them. Maybe a non-believer. Sometimes believers who just say no. But more likely a non-believer. You know, I'm, I'm not going to submit to my wife or to my husband. I refuse. I'm not going to give up loving money and the things that it can buy. I'm not going to give up as much accumulation of that stuff as is possible in my life. I'm not going to love my enemy. I'm not going to pray for them. I want revenge. I'm not going to forgive. So it's possible to just outright reject the words of Jesus when they're heard. But I think more likely for a lot of followers of Jesus, something like this plays out. We hear the word of God. We hear the words of Jesus and we consider them, and we mull them over, and we think about them, but we don't always practice them. Jesus says the solid foundation of the wise person comes from hearing and practicing. And I would suggest to you that if we hear but don't put into practice the things that Jesus has spoken, we're going to end up in the foolish category with a shifting foundation. It's not going to provide us the life that Jesus wants for us. 
The way I have suggested or, or phrased this over this series is, are you letting Jesus change you and change your life? Are you becoming radically different from the rest of the world? You see, honestly, I know because I've lived it and I continue to live it. To, to, to understand the gravity and the significance of the challenge of Jesus in each of these texts is hard. We do want to modify. We do want to simplify. We do want to lighten the meaning and, 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 and what we think he might be actually saying when what he's saying is what he is saying. And of course, I've tried to describe that for you. But in the end of the day, my friends, here's the question. Have we heard and have we practiced the words of Jesus? I want, to take, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about it. This series has run a long time. We've had a couple of interruptions and probably over the course of something like eight weeks, we've been speaking on this theme. But over these weeks, has your life changed? I'm bringing to you the challenge of Jesus. All right? Don't shoot the messenger. This is, this is what he's calling us to. You know, we can hear, but have we put into practice? Let me run um, through some of these things again. You know? Are you now in a different place than you were before in terms of asking God and getting from God the things you ask from him? Is that a greater part of your life, a bigger part of your experience than it was previously? Are you way more focused and passionate about the things of the kingdom of God and his righteousness and no longer worrying, even to some degree, about where your needs, where they will come from, how they will be satisfied? Are you loving your husband, your wife, through submitting your interests to theirs more than you did before? Has this been something you've put into practice to a far greater degree or even a little bit? Are you loving God and not wealth, not your money? Have your spending habits changed? Are you thinking differently about the value of wealth and how it's not nearly as significant as what the world thinks it to be or maybe what you thought it was before? Are you loving your enemy? Have you prayed for an enemy? Have you forgiven an enemy? Or have you just heard about doing so? And then are you living secretly before God? Not looking for the approval of people. Not caring about that anymore. Rejecting that and saying, no, it's enough that I know my father knows what I've done. And I'm going to keep those things between himself and me in that private place. See, my friends, that's the critical question for us today. That's the critical question. Have we put into practice the words of Jesus, having heard them, so as to become the wise person who's basing their lives on these foundational truths that Jesus has given so that our lives are solid, ready to withstand the storm? I want to bring another challenge to you. Um, it comes actually in the, the paragraph that precedes the text. Um, it is in verse 21 to verse 23, and it ties in <clears throat> beautifully with what Jesus says about the houses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Listen to this. <clears throat> Every, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now you want a challenge. <laughs> That's a challenge for the people of Jesus listening to his words. You see, Jesus is saying it is actually possible to speak on behalf of God, to prophesy. It is actually possible to exercise Christ's authority over the demonic realm, cast demons out of people. It is actually possible to use Jesus' power to perform miracles, but still not be in the kingdom of heaven. Um... What Jesus says is that those who are in the kingdom of heaven are those who, and I quote, do the will of my Father. You see, they hear the word of God, the words of Jesus, and they put them into practice. Now, let me take a minute with this. It is possible to think this. If I want to get into the kingdom of heaven, I need to do what Jesus has just taught. He's laid down the the way, and I need to embrace it. I need to ask so that I get. I need to seek the kingdom more than anything else. I need to submit out of love uh, for my wife, for my husband, my parent. I need to love God and not love money. I need to love my enemies and pray that they would be forgiven. I need to practice righteousness secretly before God and before God alone. Is that what Jesus is saying? Do these things and you'll get into the kingdom of heaven? I want to say emphatically the answer to that question is no. That's not what Jesus is saying. That would mean that what he's describing here is, is just a new legalism. It's just a new set of rules and regulations contrary to what the Pharisees, or different if you would, deeper if you would, than what the Pharisees were practicing. But Jesus is not saying that because we know with absolute certainty from, from Scripture that we are saved. How did the Apostle, Apostle Paul put it? By grace, through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's nothing that we do that get us, gets us into the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing that we can do that will justify us, ourselves, before God. This is what Jesus is saying, though. For those who have been saved, for those whose hearts have been changed, they have hearts which are responsive to my word. It is those people who hear and put into practice the things that I speak. Those people are living in my kingdom. Those are the people who are in my kingdom. You know, there's another real challenge that comes, and I'm not going to read the text to you, but it's, it's actually the paragraph prior to what I just read to you, going backwards in this text today, chapter. When Jesus comes along and he's talking about watching out for false prophets, and, and he comes up with this, this illustration. He said, there are good trees and there are bad trees. Good trees produce bad fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. And he says essentially to these people, look for the good fruit. Because when you see the good fruit, you're going to find a good tree. In other words, that person is a real prophet of God. You see the bad fruit exhibited in a person's life. Stay away. That person is a false prophet. What Jesus is saying is so much in line with everything else in this text. 
those people whose lives have been transformed by the truth and the power of God, who have believed in Christ, who have had the Spirit of God regenerate them and, and transform their hearts, those who are in the kingdom of heaven. Those people are going to produce fruit. Those people who have heard the word of Jesus and have put into practice in very obvious ways for people to see the things that Jesus wants in their lives. See, I want you to understand this, and this is, this is, this is critical stuff. It's not whether people worship. Pharisees worshiped, but they were blind to the things of God. It's not whether people are religious, you know, connected to a church, a church member, or involved in a church organization, church family. Pharisees were religious people, very religious. It's not even whether we obey all the rules and regulations, morality. These Pharisees were incredibly moral people, legalists of the day, but people who felt religion was all about rule-keeping. They got that right. It's not about those things. It's about our hearts, about who we are. It's about whether those hearts have been made new by the power of God. It's about whether there is fruit that is evidencing itself from our tree. Not having just heard the words, but put them into practice. Put them into practice so that others can see a difference in us. Something, can I put it this way again, radically different from the rest of the world? Radically, dramatically different because we have taken Jesus' words to heart and we have allowed them to form the foundation of our lives and thus the lives that we live. Can I say it this way, my friends? I think at the end of this sermon, Jesus is giving a warning. And it's a strong warning. And it's an important warning. And it causes us, I hope, you and me, to think seriously about where we're at. I've got a question for you, very simple again. Who or what are you building your life upon? Uh, it could be ideas. If you're younger... And, and have grown up through the public education system in the last, say, 20 years. It could be secular ideas that are purported in the public school system, many of which are completely contrary to the Word of God. It could be a movie or television personality. My goodness, Oprah had such profound effects when she was on TV, giving people foundational thoughts for their lives, which they would, of course, act upon. I heard it, Tom Hanks this week in the news. He was speaking to people about the three basic rules. Wear a, wear a mask, social distance, and wash your hands. And he said, if you don't wear a mask, well, I don't respect you. It was kind of preachy and a bit judgmental, actually. <laughs> but I'm telling you, people like Tom Hanks and other famous movie stars, they speak and people listen to what they say and they embrace what they say and they believe what they say. Could it be? Your parents, some of them long gone, and I'm sure many of them were wonderful and good people, but they were human beings and not everything that they said would always line up entirely with the word of God, the words of Jesus. Could it be ideas that are popularized in movies? I don't think that there is any medium through which has had more influence in our society in the last 50 years than the movie industry. Powerful influence. It has brought change. 
my friends, who or what uh, is, has created the underpinnings of your life? The foundation of who you are. I want to say this to you. If it is anything other than the words of Jesus, the authoritative word of God, inspired by his spirit and true, then we really have to think again and think seriously about what we believe and how we're living. I want to say this. And I want, I want to say it emphatically again. If you and I have implemented the words of Jesus, if we have heard them and put them into practice, we will be living in a dramatically different way than the world in which we find ourselves. Paul wrote in, in Philippians that we would be like a star in the universe, a star which radiates light brightly, brilliantly. In the context of a black universe we will stand out as jesus stood out we will be a witness to the reality of god in this world i want to wind down by making a couple of comments first of all some that are of great encouragement i hope to you because what jesus does is come along in this text and say if you just take what you've heard and and and, and practice these things put them into practice in your life you will, you will exercise a wisdom that will provide a life for you like that house on a solid rock that is solid and immovable and strong and resilient. You will be able to stand up to the challenges which come in life. You know? You will be lasting even into eternity. Why? Because you've heard and you've acted. That's an amazing, amazing promise that he gives to us. It's an invitation to us to find that life that he calls us to, and to celebrate it and to enjoy it as we can. Not always easy, but to know the wisdom of it and the goodness of it. I would add this. If you can look at your life, or others can as well, and see the fruit of a heart made new, if you can look at your life and see the evidence, if you would, of what God has done within you, you can have what is called the assurance of salvation. You are able to stand back and see the undeniable proof that God has uh, done a remarkable thing in you. And you can know beyond any question that you are His. And you can celebrate that as you see the change, as you see the faith evidenced in your actions, as you see yourself obeying Jesus' words. But on the other side of that coin, if you can't see the change, <laughs> if you maybe have heard the words but haven't put them into practice, um, if you're not living in a way that is different from the world, there may be a need for you to get into the presence of God and really get serious with Him about who you are, about what you believe, and about how you're going to live your life and what you're going to live your life based upon going forward from here. You just might need to encounter the living Christ and have your eyes open to see his beauty and his grace so that you can come to that place where you commit your life wholeheartedly to him so that when he speaks, you obey 
you act, you respond because you, you trust his words, because you trust him. And my friends, if that's you, I, I invite you, even now after this is finished, to go and spend some time with him, to invite him in, invite him to take over your life, commit your life fully to Jesus. And my friends, you'll see change just emerging in an incredible and in a beautiful and in a powerful way. I'm going to finish this challenging series with one more quote. And it's a quote that comes to us again in the little paragraph prior to Jesus teaching about the trees. So I've gone backwards through now four paragraphs. It's Matthew 7, verse 13. And this is challenging stuff. Listen to this. Jesus speaking, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the great gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Think of the collapsed house. And then he says, And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. My friends, I want you to be one of those people who find that life. I want you to be one of those few people who enter in through the small gate and walk on the narrow road with not many people, but with people who have come to implicitly trust the words of Jesus and who have chosen to follow him and to believe in him and base their lives on what he has spoken through Scripture. Jesus comes today at the end of this series of challenging teachings to challenge us one more time. To say, make sure <laughs> you're in the kingdom. Embrace fully the things I have spoken. Don't just hear them. Make them part of your life. And then as you do these things, he says, you'll know. You'll find the life. You'll understand the wisdom. You'll know the goodness and the joy and the grace that comes from living in the kingdom of heaven. That comes from being mine. This, my friends, is available to you. Will you live it? Will you hear these things and live them out in obedience and in the faith of Christ Jesus?